This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. doing here this morning? I mean, I kind of have to be here. Pastor Chris kind of has to be here. But what, what are you doing here this morning? Making coffee. And we are very grateful that you came this morning. <laughs> what brought you in here, though? I, I mean, is it just routine? Is, is this just what you do on Sunday mornings and what you've been doing on Sunday mornings for, you know, years and years, the way on Sunday afternoons and football season you watch football and Monday mornings you go to work? Are you here out of some sense of duty or obligation? Are you here to connect with some friends that you don't see in any other places? Or are you here looking for something else out of the experience in worship. What? Do you know? Have you thought about it? I ask because Jesus effectively starts his parable by saying, two men walk into a church to pray. But as we get into the parable, we realize very quickly that they are there for different reasons. The Pharisee enters into the temple and he stands up alone by himself and he prays a prayer of thanksgiving that is more or less a self-congratulation. I thank you, Lord, that you have made me such a good Christian. I come to worship every single week and I put money in the offering plate and I volunteer whenever I can and I thank you that I have so much faith to endure these difficult times. And that I'm not like those other people that are too busy to come to church or watch online at home and don't have time to volunteer or help with anything. But the tax collector stayed far off and prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm kind of a mess. I don't know what I'm doing here. 
I'm overwhelmed by everything in my life. I know that I should be doing more. I know that I should put you and make you more of a priority, but I'm just trying to keep my head above water, and I don't know how to juggle everything that I'm going, that I have going on. Help. The Pharisee has come to worship, to assure himself of his goodness. The tax collector, because he knows he is not good. And I tell you, it was this one and not the other who went home justified. For those who humble themselves will be exalted, and all who exalt themselves will be humbled. I ask again, what are you doing here this morning? Now, the point of the parable is not to divide ourselves and put yourself and the person sitting next to you into a category like you're one or the other. I would suggest that anytime you're reading a parable, that's not a very good approach because in these parables, they're archetypes, these different characters, representative of a way of thinking or being in the world. And so rather than saying, I'm this one, we're, we're more complicated than that. We might ask, how am I like this particular figure? And we probably come to the conclusion that we've all got a little bit of a tax collector and a little bit of Pharisee in us. So don't try and fit yourself into one of these boxes. Let's assume we're carrying a little bit of both with us this morning. That's not the point of the parable, but what I think the parable does do is talk about how we are meant to approach God as sinners needing God's mercy and this is, most weeks, the way that we structure our worship services to follow this pattern. We begin our services with some sort of confession. Today, using the words from Jeremiah, confessing in the language of the tax collector, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So we approach God that way in the pattern of the tax collector from this parable. So hopefully that isn't like a radical or groundbreaking idea for you, but where I think the edge of this parable is, is its challenge to consider how we think about those who maybe we consider less faithful than ourselves. That, I think, is where our self-righteousness or self-rightness exposes itself, where we're revealed that bit of Pharisee within us. Because I know none of us are going to stand up here and say, oh, I'm perfect. I don't need any of God's grace. I don't need any forgiveness. None of us are in that boat. But I think most of us, to some degree or another, think, there are some of those others who maybe need a little more mercy than I do. At least I'm not like them. I've got a little more going for me than that. 
That's where I think our bit of self-rightness or self-righteousness reveals itself. What are you doing here this morning? I think self-righteousness, I find it really interesting that in this text it includes the details that the Pharisee stands off by himself and the tax collector stands far off. Because that's what self-righteousness or self-rightness does. It separates us. It pushes others away because if I am absolutely right, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, then the implication is this. Some of y'all are wrong. And I don't know about you, but if I know that there's someone that believes that I am just wrong, I don't want to be in that space with them. And so self-righteousness pushes people away because we don't want to be judged. We don't want to feel unwanted or unwelcome, certainly not unsafe. We don't want to feel like someone is looking down on us. And in the spirit of this parable, the spirit of be merciful on me, a sinner, we should probably acknowledge at church that that is exactly what many of the people that have left the church have offered as some of their reasons for leaving. They felt judged, unwelcome, or unsafe. They felt pushed away by self-righteousness. So what do we do in this space? This space where self-righteousness leaves no room for those of us who feel a little insecure, who feel filled with frustration and doubt or anger or sadness, whatever it may be. The Pharisees' approach leaves no room for those of us in that boat. It pushes us away. Last week, I talked about lamentation. Lamentation being the voicing of our grief, our sorrow, our anger, our frustration, and voicing the disconnect between that reality as we experience it and God's promises. The world that God talks about and says is how it's supposed to be. Lamentation asks why God... Lamentation points out this is wrong. This is not how it's supposed to be. Lamentation wonders, God, why don't you do something about it? And pleads, God, have mercy on us. This is the posture of the tax collector in the temple who refuses to pretend that everything is right when he knows that it is very wrong. And so he voices that and cries out, God, be merciful on me. Unlike self-righteousness, which pushes people away, I think that lamentation actually gathers people together. It creates room for others. Because when I can stand up and talk about how I'm struggling, 
the questions and the doubt that I have. I'm going to give a shout out to so many of the young people who have shared faith statements that have stood in front of you all and said, I'm not sure about this. I struggle with this. I question this. It takes a whole lot of courage to stand up there. And I wonder how many of you want to volunteer for that job. But every time one of us is willing to voice those struggles, it creates room for others to do the same. To come into the church, to come into our worship space, not acting like we have all of it together, like we don't have any doubts or questions or struggles, but to bring all of that with us. Whatever we're going through on any given Sunday, whatever struggle or doubt or anger or frustration or sadness or sorrow or grief, that's all invited to come into that space. Lamentation, the voicing of our grief and the questions about God that it raises creates room for people to bring their own struggles, their own doubts into the church. Last week, I suggested that maybe one option for growing the church would be crying more, lamenting, because lamentation creates room. It invites people to bring their struggles and their doubts without fear of judgment or rejection. After worship last Sunday, we were back in the Reformation room and having our little post-worship conversation, and I asked those who had gathered, how do we become a church like that? What does that look like? And they talked a little bit about grief and support groups. Any sort of grief or support group, group begins with the mutual understanding that we are here because we are struggling. And so when you walk into that space, you know that it is a safe place to voice your struggle. To say, I'm really having a difficult time with this right now. And everyone else knows that that is the expectation. And so they're prepared to receive those struggles with grace and compassion, and mercy. Is there any reason that couldn't be the posture of the church as a whole? What would that look like? Or what kind of other spaces for lamentation might we create in the, in the church Spaces to lament the loss of a job. Spaces to lament brokenness in the family. Spaces to lament change and chaos in the world. There are so many things that we grieve and lament beyond simply the loss of a loved one. Where do we take that grief? Where do we voice that lamentation? And where do we voice the questions about God that those difficulties raise for us as people of faith? Where do we bring our lamentation? I'm actually really happy to say that one of the byproducts of that congregation, that conversation last Sunday 
was some continued exploration of creating just such a space for lamentation where people can come together and voice their struggles, whatever it may be, knowing that they're going to be met by a safe space and compassionate listeners. Creating room, room for us to come as we are, bringing all of our baggage, bringing all of our struggles, bringing our most authentic selves and being met with love and compassion. In Christ, Christ has all sorts of room. Christ is certainly willing to welcome all of your frustration and doubt, your sadness and anger and fear, whatever it may be. The, the question is, are we, as the body of Christ, willing to take that on? To carry the struggles of our neighbors to bear the burdens of our siblings in Christ. What are you doing here this morning? Are you here because you're struggling? Are you here because you know that there are others in the community who are struggling that need you to notice? And care. We worship a God who suffered and died for the suffering and dying. In Christ, there is an infinite amount of space for us to bring our struggles, our fears, our doubts, our questions, our sadness, our anger, whatever it may be. In Christ, there is an abundance of room for us to bring whatever we are carrying with us. Christ shoulders that and carries it as the cross on his back and calls his followers to do the same. God, be merciful on us, sinners that we are. Amen.